Nothing happens in Valley Gate. Somewhere in the corridors, the Autumn Queen and her court march toward the throne of seasons as the Summer King prepares for his holiday, but not before he tightens his grip on the valley. It's meant to be hot this week, a dry heat now that a lot of the rain has passed. But this last week it was cool, it felt like the beginnings of fall, and so many of the residents of Valleygate took advantage of this feeling and went strolling in the morning. It was a funny thing, nearly everyone was outside, just walking about town, waving and saying hello. Many of the Students at the University of Truffles Landing, Valley Gate, moved in this weekend, welcoming the cool weather as they moved in mini-fridges, desks from garage sales, and TVs for their rooms. Lots of young people reunited with their friends they had missed so dearly over the summer. They threw footballs and frisbees and went to the Shepherd's Nook Cafe to feel the full autumn vibe. It was a true tableau of what Valley Gate is meant to be. And over at the bakery here in town, at Gimme a Bake, Luciana Danut had the urge all of a sudden to bake a pumpkin pie, of all things. Not from scratch, as she normally does. She used the store-bought pumpkin base, but still used the secret pumpkin spice blend her grandfather had taught her. And I tell you, friend, it was a hit. She opened the front door of the bakery, just so the smell would waft out into the street, just like her mother had taught her to do with her famous cinnamon rolls. And so she did so, and the smell intrigued people. It brought people in on this cozy fall morning, and the first one was gone within 20 minutes or so. She had to make more. She had to make five or six more within a few hours of the first being placed out on the counter, as well as Luciana's famous whipped cream, which she did whip up from scratch. It wasn't thin, it wasn't crumbly, and it didn't deflate like other whipped creams. It held form, and Luciana would dollop it generously on top of a slice of pie like a great marble sculpture on a pumpkin plinth. And many couldn't even make it out of the bakery before they took a bite, and Luciana watched as their eyes fluttered. Their shoulders fell, and they were transported back to years they thought they'd forgotten. They became so clear, years of leaping into leaf piles and putting up the scarecrow for the spirit festival, fall football games at Valleygate High, cider and donuts on a hayride over at the Peach Hill family orchards. It all came back, and that was only the first bite. They'd thank Luciana, leave generous tips in the tip jar her daughter recommended she put out, and walk out with a smile on their face. Well, one patron of Luciana's was Charlie Goose, the police chief here in town. He stopped by Luciana's Friday morning as he was headed back to the station. After visiting Mayor Ashglade there at Town Hall, he stepped inside, himself smelling the deep and rich pumpkin, cinnamon, and nutmeg that wafted into the streets. Chief, I didn't expect to see you this morning, Luciana said. Just passing through. Had a meeting at Town Hall. Both Luciana and Charlie knew that there was a quicker and shorter route to the police station from Town Hall. In fact, they're both on the same road, and it would have been as simple as taking the sidewalk, but Charlie instead stepped out of Town Hall, crossed Main Street, then turned onto Acacia Avenue, crossed Acacia, turned onto Elon Hill Road, and finally crossed Ellis Ave to get to the bakery. This made Luciana smile, and she offered him a slice of pie. He demurred for only a moment before he accepted and took the next napkin on which rested the most pristine piece of pumpkin pie Charlie had ever seen. Luciana had dolloped a sizable amount of whipped cream atop it, and Charlie took a bite, and his eyes fluttered, his shoulders fell, and he remembered 
The fall morning that his sister told him she had found them an apartment, a place to call home. They had been so happy that they went to a nearby bakery and together they ate cider donuts on the park bench. Charlie hadn't thought about that in at least ten years. He opened his eyes to see Luciana smiling at him warmly. She brushed a finger across her upper lip, handed him a napkin, and with a chuckle she said, You've got a little something right there, chief. Charlie took the napkin and wiped his mustache of the whipped cream that had clung to it. He thanked her. Be careful out there, she said. Always am, he said, and he left, eating the rest of the pie on his way to the police station. But when he finished the last bite and he wiped his mustache again, he noticed, scrawled across the napkin, a phone number and a little smiley face. He smiled back at it and he tucked the napkin in his jacket pocket and stepped inside the police station. Kira Bright Toes 2 was about to take a stroll this morning when she received a text message from a number she didn't recognize. It was lucky she read it before deleting it as a wrong number. It was from Aaron, Aaron Brambleback from school. She had passed her number along to him for a group project a few months back, which she only knew because of the three or four messages in the thread that already existed. They had been paired up at random in their science class, and they did a project on the Westing classification of monsters, they had bonded briefly over Weston's perspective on monsters and his greater focus on their social habits and family units rather than their combat tactics and ways to defeat them as previous and later classifications did. It was all right there in the text messages, proof of everything that they'd talked about. They'd received an A on the project, but after that they didn't talk much, which at the time was a real disappointment for Kira. She liked Aaron, he was a good friend, and fun to talk to, but they ran in different circles, and so they very rarely crossed paths. But anyway, the text was inviting her to join him on Saturday for a concert in Lettucefield, of all places. He was originally meant to go with his best friend, but his best friend had forgotten about a family vacation, so he invited her instead. She was interested, but she was cautious. Was this a date? What were his expectations? But she just texted back simply, What concert? She was curious, so she went to the Arcanet and searched events in Lettucefield on Saturday night. There were a few bands playing the Front Road Girls, Hot Work, and Baldy Drab, but nothing she seemed particularly interested in, nothing that really stuck out to her. But wait! She scrolled down to the bottom of the screen, and when she saw it, she asked herself, could it be true? No, how could, how could she have missed it? Wild Giant had a show on Saturday night in Lettuce Field. She researched it elsewhere, and it was true. It was a tour date exclusively for ticket holders of the last time they were in Lettuce Field, which was several months ago, and she had been unable to go, and they had canceled that show. So it wasn't advertised. It was only this weekend for people who had missed it because of the cancellation, and Kira almost began to sweat with excitement. What if the show Aaron wanted to bring her to was Wild Giant? What if Aaron was inviting her to see her favorite band on the planet? Who cares if it was a date? She began to justify it to herself. She'd justify anything if it meant she could see Wild Giant live at the salad bowl. She went out the front door of her parents' house and began to walk. She was meeting her friend Christiana at the Shepherd's Nook Cafe in 15 minutes, but she could hardly focus on the sidewalk in front of her. She was too excited, so excited, in fact, that she wasn't looking where she was going, and she was thrown suddenly to the pavement of the sidewalk, her slate phone bouncing across the ground. She looked over to see a bike 
Resting on its side, wheels still spinning, she began apologizing profusely to whoever it was she ran into. She stood up as the pain subsided. She turned to see who it was, and it was Aaron. He was standing up slowly, brushing himself off, and she helped him to his feet. She asked if he was okay, and he was. She told him she was distracted, and it was, it was all her fault, and he said it was fine. There was a pause for a moment, and she asked, Did you get my text? Oh, I, I must have missed it while I was biking, sorry. No worries, she said, but she waited for him to answer her question, the one she had texted. Which concert was it, Aaron? Tell me, she seemed to scream internally, but as she was about to ask out loud, her phone buzzed on the pavement. She'd forgotten about it, and she picked it up, and she saw two words. Wild giant. Kira's heart stopped, and she beamed at him. Yes, she said, I'd love to go. Cool, he said. I knew you liked Wild Giant from when we did that project. I had actually originally gotten these tickets for us to go together, and I was going to surprise you, but then they canceled the show and we kind of stopped talking, so I asked my friend to go this time. Kira suddenly felt a crushing guilt in her soul. They had both thought the other didn't want to be friends, and that hurt her heart. If only she had said something, but now he has said something, and all of a sudden she was hugging him. He hugged her back for a moment, and when they pulled apart, she told him she would drive, and that she'd pick him up tomorrow. At noon, Lettucefield is a four and a half hour drive after all, and she wanted to make sure that they had time for dinner, and the merchandise lines, and finding their seats, and he just nodded. He didn't know what else to do, and she bounced away down the sidewalk, planning, planning for tomorrow. Like I said, a lot of folks were out strolling today, and a lot of them, a lot of them noticed someone new, a stranger that they had not yet met, walking alone, a young woman. She had long, orangey-red hair. It was wavy like a cascading waterfall. Her eyes were as blue as the sky, and her face sprinkled with freckles. She wore a burnt orange sweater, exactly the kind of sweater you'd expect to see everyone wearing in about a month, once the temperatures have cooled even further. Everyone stole a glance to see who this new person was. They were curious. They... Don't always trust strangers, but she seemed trustworthy enough. She'd look down at her phone every now and again and then glance at a street sign. She was trying to find her way somewhere, and that was endearing. Amelia Stonehammer received a surprise when the young woman stepped into her little studio there on Main Street. Memories by Amelia. Amelia introduced herself and asked what she could do for her if she wanted to book a consultation, but the young woman smiled warmly and politely asked if Amelia was looking for help. In her studio, she had graduated with her photography degree a few years back and ran her own photography business back where she was from, but she just moved to Valleygate and was hoping there'd be an opening. Amelia was unsure what to make of this, but something within her squealed with excitement. She was only in her early 30s, Amelia was, and she'd started the photography business only two years ago once she moved to Valleygate, and while business was slow at first, things really picked up for her after the first year. Folks saw her skill and started asking for more and more from her, not to mention all the weddings that take place in the fall. Valleygate's a big destination wedding town with its small town charm and fall colors, and Amelia is among the only professional photographers in town, so naturally she gets quite a bit of business, and having a second shooter, she thought, would be very helpful. So she invited the young woman in. Branna was her name. She offered Branna some chamomile tea, which she accepted, and Amelia brought her upstairs to the studio. 
It's a nice studio up there, has wood flooring and exposed brick walls with all sorts of unique props and furniture ranging from vintage chairs and end tables to modern and avant-garde sofas to all the wedding paraphernalia you can imagine. Brenna set herself on one of the stools at a high-top table and Amelia joined her. She complimented Brenna's nail color. It matched the sweater and her eyeshadow. Brenna smiled and said she loved fall and that she likes the colors of fall and that when it's fall, she's at her most creative. So she had taken the liberty of pretending that fall was already upon us. Amelia, too, loved autumn, and the two of them got along very well. They discussed photography, of course, for a short while, Branna's experience and what she enjoys photographing, but that turned to their favorite movies and then some books, and Amelia thought it remarkable how similar their tastes ended up being. They both enjoyed a period romance as well as a young adult sci-fi novel from time to time. But the craziest thing, she thought, was their shared interest in a very specific and esoteric book series that neither of them thought they'd ever be able to discuss with someone else. About a boy with a pumpkin head and all of the misadventures he went through, it was marketed as a middle grade book, but they both agreed that when you read it, it didn't matter your age. The truth that little pumpkin boy discovers about the world are true, and it's a comfortable read on a rainy falls day that are surely to be here soon. Amelia then asked some more traditional interview questions, and when Branna answered, she spoke articulately and intentionally like she was looking at a grapevine of words and plucking each one with care and precision to craft the perfect sentence that not only sounded beautiful but communicated precisely her meaning. It was a refreshing conversation for Amelia to have met someone who shares her linguistic prowess. Amelia thinks of conversation like a meal. There's empty conversation that is low on linguistic nutrition, like eating a half-off hot dog from Carlos's gas station over there by the highway. It fills you up, but it isn't enjoyable, and you feel a little sad afterward. But with Brandon, the conversation was meaningful. It was like a piece of warm pumpkin pie with a dollop of whipped cream on the first cool day of fall. It was a joy. We all have had these conversations, meals you want to keep eating, but you stop so you can have leftovers later. Amelia thanked Brenna and offered for her to come to shadow a session at the studio and see if it was the right place for her. Brenna walked back out into the sun-dappled streets and smelled the nutmeg, the cinnamon, and the pumpkin coming from somewhere nearby, and she sought out where it might be coming from. It really is the tiny joys in life, friends, the budding relationships, the new old friends, the conversations with a stranger. They are, all of them, the slices of pumpkin pie that really matter. But of course, nothing happens in Valleygate. Hey, thanks so much for listening to episode two of Nothing Happens in Valleygate. This episode was written, recorded, edited, and sound designed by me, Josiah Duff. I'm pretty much the only guy involved in this thing still, but the music you are hearing right now is by Andy Ferris. Thanks, Andy, so much. Go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and you can also leave a review, which helps Nothing Happens Valleygate to sort of move up the charts and get more people uh, in to hear about this cozy little town. 
Additionally, if you want to send an email to send feedback to say how much you like the show, go ahead and send an email to visitvalleygate at gmail.com. That's sort of where all this uh, correspondence is going to come to, and uh, I'll read your emails, and I might even read one at the end of the show at some point. So go ahead and send some, some emails, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, folks. Bye.